You're listening to The Bridge, a podcast on stories of courage, resilience, and innovation with me, Linda Fadrizi Williams, the president of Central Penn College. Welcome to The Bridge, a presidential podcast about resiliency. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Fadrizi Williams, the president of Central Penn College. If you listened to our last podcast, then you had the pleasure of hearing the Honorable Patrick J. Murphy. This is the second installment of that interview. And just to give you Patrick's incredible background, at age 19, he joined the Army, launching a lifelong commitment to our nation's military and veterans. Patrick has served as a soldier, America's first Iraq War veteran, elected to Congress, speaker, author, television personality, and the 32nd Undersecretary of the Army. Today, Patrick continues to advocate and empower veterans through his work in the public and private sectors. As a veteranpreneur, he spearheads a wide range of business interests and offers veterans an opportunity to launch their own dreams by investing in their companies. As a public speaker and media executive, Patrick helps amplify the voices and experience of vets on MSNBC, CBS, the Discovery Network, and more. Patrick currently lives in Pennsylvania with his two children, Maggie and Jack. I hope you enjoy this second interview with Patrick Murphy. I I really appreciate you saying that. It means a lot coming from someone like you who has served our country and has seen so much. I think when you're people like us, it's easy to do what you do because you really are changing people's lives. And you're motivated every day by wanting to make this world better and believing that you have the power to impact that. Not everyone has that. So it's inspiring to have you on this podcast because I think if other people are listening and they're listening to someone who in in high school wasn't giving it their all to get the best grades that they could, hard worker, but didn't have the grades. And then you go from that to being an officer, you're a soldier in a war, and then you're running the entire U.S. Army acting secretary army in 2016 under the Obama administration. That's crazy. Can you talk about that transition and what that change was like for you? Well, you know, the great thing for me was when I was in the army at, at 19, I remember I went away to the basic training and, and then advanced training. And, you know, I'm competing against other cadets, other folks who were trying to become officers as well. Yeah from places like Harvard and Notre Dame. And I saw with my own eyes, I was like, man, I'm just as good as that guy or that gal. Like they have, they have nothing on me. And again, I went to community college and, uh, but you know, I, I realized that, man, I, somehow I'm on the same level as them right now and I'm going to beat them. I'm going to, you know, I, it was a competition. Right. And, you know, it gave me that sense of confidence to go on and, and, you know, obviously to, to run the army or help run the army uh, was an incredible experience. Our army, I used to, I call it America's varsity team because, you know, we have 1.3 million folks in the U.S. Army and just under 500,000 that are active duty. There's a little over 5,000, 500,000 that are National Guard or reservists. Uh, and then we have some civilians that work for our Army. And, you know, we're, play, we're stationed in places like Carlisle, Pennsylvania at the Army War yeah, College, yeah. Uh, which is the premier college, you know, within the Army, uh, that in West Point. And, you know, but... But again, you know, to, to go and again, it's always about the people. So, so for me to, to be in a company of heroes, I mean, as a, I'm, I'm a proud Pennsylvanian, you know, and again, I'm proud that I worked at the Hershey factory. I'm proud that I delivered newspapers in the morning, uh, that I was a put up Eagle security guard on the weekends. I'm an Eagles fan and they were going to pay me the $5 50 cents an hour to go, you know, stand there and 
break up fights or tell I'm people. I'm a New York you know, Giants fan, by the way. So I'm not very happy to hear that you're an Eagles fan this close. We're, again, we're still in January. So the playoffs are happening and whatever. I we don't need to get well, into it. But the fact um, that I did read that about you and that you got to actually be at the Eagles games, that had to be amazing as a fan too. I mean, it was. I, I used a lot to, I of interesting kinda, places. Yeah, I kind of joked that being an Eagle security guard was the old veteran stadium and I had the old 700 level. It was tougher duty than actually being in Baghdad getting shot at. <laughs> <laughs> but, I believe but, that. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, when I say it's about the people, to me, you know, one of the great leaders in the military history uh, was George Marshall, who was a four-star general and secretary of, the, of war at the time. And But again, he's a guy from Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I look at this generation. There was a, there's a young gal, Riley McGinnis. Riley McGinnis was a soccer player from Lehigh County and, and Lehigh Valley. And, and so she goes to Lehigh Valley, plays soccer at West Point. She's not the first captain. She's the highest ranking uh, cadet at West Point of the 4,000 cadets there. Again, to me, my job was to amplify, you know, being in the company of heroes, these heroes that, that serve our country and are doing great things. So for me, I, I was just lucky to be part of the ride. I'm lucky every day. I'm lucky to be on here with you today. But, but to me, it's, you know, how, how can you give back and how can you amplify so many incredible voices uh, and people who are, you know, making this world a better place every day. You mentioned something and it's, it's self-efficacy. It's something I talk about all the time. It's the belief in your ability to do something. And that's half the, the, half the battle. So for students, I always tell them it's not being the smartest person in the room. It's not being better than everybody else. It's believing that you can be better than everybody else, or you could be your best self. And you seem to have a strong sense of self-efficacy, even at a young age, even at 19. Did you have people in your life that encouraged you that said you can be whatever you want to be? Um, we had a guest on in our last podcast who was telling us he had one guidance counselor that told him he'd never amount to anything in high school. She was like, you're never going to college. You're never really going to be anything. And that motivated him more than anyone else ever did. And his parents said, she's crazy. And I guess every time he was successful, his mom would send an article to this guidance counselor and be like, you were wrong about my son. But who in your life was your cheerleader or someone telling you you can do it? Because you're right, confidence is so critical. I, I've had a lot of role models, a lot of folks who believe in me, and I've had a lot of folks that doubted me. Uh, and so, you know, I've, I have a folder of folks that have given me good advice and a folder of folks who, who, who doubted me. And I remember I was training for airborne school and, you know, we were working out five days a week and we're running five, 10 miles a day and push up sit ups, and then we're lifting weights at night. So we're doing two days for months and months. Uh, and, and I played a pickup basketball game and I broke my hand, unfortunately. So I had a cast. I still worked out the same next morning and I never missed a PT session, but I had someone who who's who I heard through the grapevine who said that Murphy doesn't have the heart. He's not going to make it, you know, because oh. he's pissed that I, you know, and I remember I had a commanding officer who was said, well, Hey, I, I can't send you to airborne school. Uh, this is weeks later. Now I can't send you to the airborne school at Fort Benning, Georgia, because you have a, you have a broken hand. And I said, uh, with all due respect, ma'am, I said, I haven't missed a PT session in, in, in weeks since that happened. Yeah. It's healed. I don't even have to wear a soft cast anymore. And, and I just, and I said, let me show you. And I went and I did like 82 push-ups, you know, <laughs> literally right there and, and got up. I'm like, you can't take this opportunity away from me. I earned this spot. Like, like cause yeah. there was a competition for, for, 
for about 12 spots uh, and there's 88 classmates. And I, you know, I was, I was not happy and um, I let her know it. And she said, well, I made my decision. And I said, well, with all due respect, ma'am, I'm going to kill your decision. <laughs> her boss and, um, uh, and that commander, you know, let me go. And I graduated with flying colors from airborne school and eventually became, you know, a member of the 82nd airborne division, but like, but that was not an easy journey, but I would say in the positive side, you know, being a, a junior in high school, I was, I was really skinny in high school and, and in college. I mean, right now I'm six, one and about 195 pounds and I do CrossFit and work out and run stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I was 120 pounds uh, in high school and had acting and, uh, and then in college, maybe 130, 135 pounds, but uh, I was skinny and, but I was fast, but I had a high school hockey coach that believed in me and I wasn't the fastest in the team. I definitely was not the biggest in the team, right. uh, but he saw that I had heart and he, he gave me the, the, the captain, the C on my Jersey that, so I was a captain of the team and uh, we wanted to win a, uh, a championship. And, and I remember thinking he was the best coach that I ever had partially because he believed in me. And, yeah. um, uh, and I still keep in touch with him today. His name's John Hunter. He's a, he's a jewelry salesman, wholesaler, you know, but, but again, he's a working guy, working class guy who believed in me and his sons went on to go play hockey and, and I love him and I appreciate him. But I had a sister, John Thomas or sister Jean McFadden. She's a Catholic, my first grade teacher in Catholic school. I still, she would not go leave for Peru for a few years. And I was a pen pal with her and during grade school. And, and, you know, there was folks like, you know, uh, John Dernbach, who I had as a professor at, at Widener Commonwealth School of Law and, you know, I had to take his property class and I didn't do so great at it, but, you know, and, but he never doubted me. He never, right. he, he always kind of believed in me. And again, you know, for me to go to law school, I, I remember I just came back from Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I'm the army cut me loose to go to law school. I'm, I'm a Lieutenant at the time. I knew I had to go back in the army, but, but I was, I was there and I, had, you know, still had the buzz cut from, from Fort Bragg. I was still, <laughs> you know, read from being in the sun all summer and, and I'm there and I'm, you know, in my early twenties going to law school and I'm with classmates that were already professionals and they, sure. they, they show up the first day in their suits. And I'm like, you know, I think I had like an army shirt on, <laughs> you know, I, long story short, I wasn't moving to my new apartment. Like, you know, there's a lot of things I was thinking about this. And, and I'm, and everyone at that law school is that, you know, I felt like you talked to them and they, somewhere on scholarship. I, I didn't have a scholarship. So, you know, I'm still paying my law yeah. school loans to this day, but like I'm with you. I mean, it was worth it. I invested in myself and invested in my education and, and it wound up paying off. But again, that, that belief that others had in me inspired me to, to make them and prove them right. And those who doubted me to prove them wrong. Exactly. Exactly. That's interesting to hear some of your roles and listening to what you were exposed to and even the leadership roles. How did you handle the stress of it? I mean, you talk about CrossFit now, which I'm sure really helps you manage stress because it gets your endorphins going and it gets a lot of energy out. How do you, how do you manage stress now in addition to that? And when you were in those roles, how did you manage it? Yeah, well, you know, the Army teaches you, you know, the, the compartmentalized things and, and, uh, and the KISS analogy. So the KISS uh, mnemonic, so keep it simple, stupid. So, mm -hmm. you know, you keep things simple. You try to do what you can. You saw the wood in front of you was yeah. another piece of advice that I got. And so you, you kind of set goals every day. I, I write WMI every day on my calendar. What's most important? Like, what do I have to oh. get done today? And then and again, I have a schedule, but like, it's like, all right, what am I going to do, you know, to, to drive what's most important that day and have overall goals 
I have quarter goals, I have weekly goals, you know, so I don't get wrapped up in the strategy of goals. I just, it's more of like the tactical, like, what am I going to do right. today to move the ball forward? Uh, and frankly, sometimes it's doing things that are uncomfortable, you know, that you don't yeah. want to do, but you, you just got to do it. And so uh, I would say that, uh, you know, keep it in simple, but also understanding that, you know, you got to take your life's work important. Uh, it is important, but you can't take, take yourself too seriously. And, and so for me, it's like, you know, having a conversation with my daughter and son last night about what happened in the Capitol. I go, mm-hmm. now this is February, but again, on, on January, where right. we had an election in Pennsylvania, we have the Republicans in the House and Senate because the Republicans control the state legislature. We have a Democratic governor, but but again, they passed a bill that said you can do straight line voting, which means you could say you, you can't do that anymore. You have to choose the person, which right. basically helps the Republicans. But they also said you could also do mail-in voting, no no mail-in voting, because you know we have a lot of older folks in Pennsylvania, and you know some of them can't drive and get to the polls. And you know they passed it again. It was bipartisan, but they passed it. Yeah. And you fast forward, we have an election. We have audits to the election. We have an automatic audit. We all those type of things. And they keep trying to sow doubt uh, about the results of an election and results that basically they won their seats. They were reelected, whether it was for U.S. Congress or state rep or state Senate. And then they're, they're saying, well, my election counted, but the Joe Biden win Pennsylvania doesn't count. And, and it's like, come on, when you chip away at the integrity of the process, uh, people, when you're a leader, people listen to you. And yeah. so, you know, to me, you know, I had to do some tough votes when I was in Congress and some other things. And I knew that there would be some backlash, you know, and again, I'm a person that believes in the balanced budget amendment and I voted against budgets because I didn't believe in them, but, and I spent my time getting rid of wasteful spending and saving billions of dollars for the American taxpayer. And I, and I, and to me, when I look at what's going on and that we're $27 trillion in debt, that every one of us in America owes $82,000 to a national debt. Like we got to get our fiscal house in order, but we can have different ways about going about it, but what we shouldn't disagree in is that we have a country and, and a constitution and a process that you have to come together to put the country first, even if it goes against you. So again, when I say keep it simple, to me, it was more important for me to be on the record publicly yeah. where I stood on different issues. Cause I knew my daughter, Maggie Murphy and my son, Jack would go to college today and they'll Google and they would see what my record was. Uh, and judgment day is more important than one's re-election or election day. And, and you have to be able to, you know, in the army and in, at West Point, we say character is how you are when no one's looking. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people looking right now. And there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that are held in elected office in America that did the wrong thing when they knew it was wrong. And that's an indictment on them and an indictment, unfortunately, on their character. Mm. We will continue our interview in a moment, but first, looking to invest in yourself in 2021? Have you been dreaming about starting that business or side hustle where you call the shots? Central Penn College has a new program designed with a fitness entrepreneur in mind. Our new personal training certificate will teach you the science, nutrition, and anatomy behind helping others achieve their fitness goals. The 10-week program prepares you to earn a nationally recognized certification in personal training. The program is fully online and accessible from anywhere. Payment plans are available. Learn more at centralpen.edu slash PTC. 
want to talk about one of the bills that you assisted with. You helped write the new GI Bill, which is something that many of our students utilize to pursue their educations here. What do you think our country needs to do next to adequately support our current military families and veterans? Yeah, that was that was probably one of the greatest legislative successes that I had, you know, on Congress. And again, we passed that President Bush. Yeah, my first term in Congress under President Bush, who I have a lot of respect for. In fact, I voted for him the first time he ran. Uh, and again, I'm a Democrat, but he was a combat veteran. He's, I'm sorry, he's a veteran. Uh, his mm-hmm. dad was a combat veteran. Right. Uh, but uh, making a long story short, you know, we had to, we had the majority. We we went and we did the post time GI Bill and and. Right now, here in February of 2021, uh, when this is being aired, there's about 1.1 million kids, uh, young Americans, I shouldn't call them kids, I apologize, 1.1 million students in colleges and universities across America, including here at Central Penn, that are utilizing the GI Bill. Right. Uh, you know, that, that I co authored. And to me, that's incredibly important. And, you know, I partnered with my roommate at the time in Congress, was another freshman. His name's Tim Walls. He was a command sergeant major in the Army and the Minnesota National Guard. Uh, he's now the governor of Minnesota. But, but again, wow. we co-authored that bill together. Uh, we partnered with patriots like Jim Webb from Virginia, a senator, and, and others. And we passed it. President Bush signed it into law. It has changed your life. And, and again, changed your life with so many folks. And so um, my brother, who, you know, who has a master's degree, and you know, his daughter is at Penn State right now because you can pass down to your kids. And so yeah. his daughter is at Penn State about to get her degree in psychology. And uh, and again, that opened up so many doors for folks. And, 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 you know, you look at the history of our country when after World War II, we had 16 million Americans that served and half of them came back and utilized that original GI Bill. And then half of them started doing small business and created right. things like Walmart and FedEx and Comcast and other great, and Nike and other great companies. So to me, it's it's just an opportunity. And for, for folks like, Command Sergeant Major Tim Walls and Captain Patrick Murphy, when we went to be citizen soldiers and we went and served in Congress, it was, we saw that there was double digit unemployment in the veterans community with our brothers and sisters. So things like the GI Bill eases that transition. So you can go back and get a higher degree and, and take your time and figure out what you want to do for the next five, 10, 20 years of your life uh, if your military public service is done. And so that was an initiative and we're very proud of it and it's getting better every day, meaning they just passed a forever GI bill, which has tweaked our original bill. And that's positive. And I, and I get yeah. people like Congressman Scott Perry and others that, that supported that uh, credit to, to make it just a little bit better. You mentioned President George W. Bush, and we talked a little bit about President Obama. And I heard that you played basketball with him. Is that true? Uh, that's true. And, um, you know, when I played basketball, <laughs> I, 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 I had my King's College shorts on and, and my 82nd Airborne cutoff t-shirt on. In fact, we're, we're going, he asked us to play. In fact, uh, it, it, he called and said, hey, Patrick, I want to get a game. Could you get some members of Congress to come over? Yeah, I got this new court and come play. And he goes, hey, you know, get Democrats, Republicans, whoever plays basketball. I don't want to make this a thing. I don't want to put this in the press. This is not a Howard, crazy story. Et cetera. So, uh, so it was me and, and Jeff Flake, uh, Republican from Arizona and John Shimkus, uh, West Point grad, Republican from Illinois, but uh, other folks uh, like uh, He Shuler. He Shuler was the quarterback of the Redskins. He was the Heisman Trophy runner-up, and uh, he was a freshman with me in Congress. And so we show up, and Heath and I were the only two that wore like cutoff T-shirts. And so I have another buddy, Mike Curry. <laughs> he was a he was a DA of Utica, New York, and he was another freshman congressman. 
And he's like, hey, Murph, he goes, you, you can't wear a cutoff shirt in the White House basketball court outside. I'm like, and I go, hey, Mike, I mean, come on, we're playing basketball. You, like, this is not supposed to be like a thing. It's, you know, it's supposed to, so we play and, and, you know, it's interesting. We're playing, you know, out in the outside court and, and people don't know how to, you know, should we guard the president? You know, do you let him, you know, do you? Oh, and so there's so funny. on a court, he's Schuler, you know, again, he's a six foot four, great quarterback, incredible athlete. He sets a pick and the president comes out to guard me. I'm at the top of the key, the second time down the court, and I take a three pointer, nothing but net. And I start talking smack. I said, You better deal, Mr. President. We didn't come here to take it easy on you. And he's like, All right, all right. And so you get, and he's a competitor. I mean, so I mean, he, I was going to ask you Obama, that. like dives for balls, like dives for like loose balls. Like he's, it's no joke. He's like very competitive. So we had won the first game. Of course, they wanted a rematch right away. They won the next two, but like we had a lot of fun. Of course, though. I joke, the president had his team was a little stacked. He had Reggie Love as on his team. Reggie Love worked <laughs> for the White House, but, you know, was a basketball player at Duke University. He had Secretary of Education Arnie Duncan, who played professional basketball over in Australia. So it, it, he had a team that was stacked. We beat them, uh, but they came back and beat us. It, but it was it was a lot of fun. That's and, amazing. Uh, it was, that, it was that's cool, an amazing story. So did he trash talk back? He did. He did. I, I kind of made him start a little bit because I, I was trying to break the ice. Uh but we, but again, it was a good way. But uh, he didn't let me hit any more three pointers that game. I can, I can tell you that. Oh, they, I love they it. Stepped up their defense. I love it. Um, we have a little bit more time. I do want to talk about your entrepreneurship because you've you're doing some remarkable things. So, what are you currently working on? Yeah, I'm a big believer in in veteran entrepreneurs. So, and what we call shorthand veteranpreneurs, because <laughs> you know when I say things like after World War II and had the veterans came back and and it went into business or start doing small business and created these great global iconic brands like Walmart, Nike, mm-hmm. and Comcast. Uh, and after Vietnam, Marine uh, Fred Smith started uh, FedEx and GoDaddy. All these things were started by veterans. But about half eventually went to go start their own small business. Right now, of my generation, it's less than 5% that do. Part of it is because of access to capital to start their own business sure. and some other things. So you know, I help entrepreneurs. I invest in some of their companies to a venture capital firm we call Stony Lonesome Group that we do. And then, you know, I created our own, founded a company called Work Merck in Conchhocken, Pennsylvania, where it's a, you know, a winning habits company where we, it's it's a tech company that we help companies develop winning habits and keep their employees and families safe. And so I do that. And then I chair innovation up at West Point. Uh, so I still, uh, I'm up there teaching cadets, but also driving innovation at West Point and for our army. So to me, it's it's incredibly important to to support my brother and sisters if they want to get yeah. into business. Uh, and so I really believe in, in entrepreneurs. I love it. And I love that term. I love that you coined that term. It makes complete sense and fits with what you're doing. I want to talk about fatherhood briefly because we have a lot of parents here. So even though we have a traditional 18 to 24-year-old population, 76% of our students are adult learners, meaning they've come back to college. It's a, it's a second chance institution for a lot of people who may have started at some point, had to stop and come back, or maybe they never went. Um, they started working right out of high school. And 60% of our students are parents. So you mentioned you have two children, Maggie and Jack, both adolescents. What has the fatherhood role been in your life compared to all your other roles? Well, you know, it's really given me, you know, empathy, you know, <laughs> being a father is the greatest job I'll ever have. So that, to me, that that's the most important. And um, 
but you, you know, when I say you have to take your job serious, you can't take yourself too seriously, but I will tell you that, you know, I, I had the opportunity when Maggie was, uh, I think she was four at the time and uh, my son Jack was just one. Uh, I'm there at the White House uh, watching the Super Bowl and I'm there and, and President Obama's daughters, Malia and Sasha, were watching my daughter, then my four-year-old Maggie, they were watching Ratatouille. They could care less about the Super Bowl game, it was the Steelers game uh, they, who made the Super Bowl that year. And then uh, I'm there having a conversation with Barack Obama, President Obama, and Attorney General Eric Holder. I happened to be holding Jack, who was eating an ice cream cone. He's one, he's like, kind of sucking it. And he like totally spilled the ice cream cone on my shirt. So I'm literally there talking and I have chocolate ice cream on my stained dress shirt. Oh, you, know, cause you don't know, you know, I, I didn't wear a jacket to watch this while I wore at least a collar shirt because I wasn't sure what the dress I was going to say, what do you wear to a Super Bowl with the president of the United right, States? Right. Like your Eagles so, jersey? Yeah, I would. Well, no, I wear, you know, I wear, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. My army buddy was a guy who's one of the Roonies, um, yeah. Tom Rooney, became a congressman. My best friend in the army became my best friend in Congress and he was a Republican and I was a Democrat, uh, and we still we do business now together. He's he's no longer in Congress, and I, and by the way, I think the media is part of the problem in America and that we don't highlight. They want to, you know, they're saying if it bleeds, it leads. The military, yeah. the media doesn't want to put in there when Democrats, Republicans get along. They just want to be make it more divisive. They get more eyeballs, etc. And so we have to do a better job at you know showing the friendships and showing. I when agree with that. Things are getting done, but I would say, yeah, that that was. Uh, fatherhood, you know, to, to be there and to realize that you know, I always try to think about through the eyes of my kids, what does things look like? What, what's going on? And even with my son, like I was blessed that I was a, a three-year captain in college at yeah. playing hockey because uh, I grew a couple inches and got a little, little bit bigger. But, you know, for my son, you know, I just want him to have fun. Right. I don't care if he plays college hockey, if he doesn't play high school hockey, you know, I, I think he has a talent to do it, but if he doesn't do it, like that's on him. And and right. I just want to have fun and encourage him. And and I have to stop myself from saying, well, hey, Jack, you could have did this play better. That, like, I'm like, that's hey, hard. Jack, what was your favorite part? My, my questions I ask my kids were, whether it's after school or after a hockey or basketball game, hey, well, what was your favorite part? Because you want them to open up and put in their own language, you know, what they liked most about it. And sometimes it was like, well, I like getting the icy after the game or I talked to him <laughs> about Xbox. It's, yes. It's, not about a certain play or, or end result. I'm very familiar. Both of my sons play lacrosse and it, they, they're kind of half in it. You know, we really want them to be all in because we love, we love sports. They're only like half in. So their favorite parts are like in between the lacrosse games where they're eating like, you know, chips with their friends under the tent. Like it has nothing to <laughs> exactly, do with the game, right. but I understand yeah. completely real quick. Does the magnitude that your children were in the White House, did they understand that? Is that just normal because their dad, you know, has been a public servant or do they now realize like, holy cow, we were in the White House with the Obamas during a Super Bowl? Um, I, I think sometimes they realize that we've been, we've been blessed with a lot of opportunities that their classmates don't get. But I, I'd also say like, you know, my daughter was very proud that, you know, I was, she was on stage and she was with me for, for Joe Biden this past year during a presidential election. Wow. Um, I think they're, it's, they do recognize it and they're very grateful. Uh, we, we try to have an attitude of gratitude. Right. Uh, but I would say there's another side of that coin. I mean, they, they do definitely, you know, there's people that write not nice things about my daughter on social media and her Instagram account and some other things that they question her. And, and again, I, I get it. Like 
yeah. Pennsylvania is a purple state and uh, there's Democrats, Republicans. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I think that you should never kind of engage, you know, a 14 year old girl on, on social media about her daddy's, you know, politics, so uh, crazy. But, but it, but it happens. And, you know, I tell, I tell her that, listen, I respect and, and I agree with Republicans on a lot of things, including the national debt and some other things, but, you know, we gotta, we gotta get out of the, of that hole together and we gotta stop digging ourselves. So, yeah. you know, and I tell her like, Hey, and, and, and I'm not blaming any party, but I talked to her about it. And I go, there's different ways to solve these problems. And, and, and again, I, I tell her like the reason why we have Medicare and social security is because seniors, you know, didn't have a, an income each month, even mm -hmm. though, you know, social security, you know, you don't make a ton of money, but you know, they didn't have that and Medicaid or Medicare, they didn't have that neither. And so the suicide rate used to be a lot worse in America for elderly people. If you got sick, they would go out back and they would take their own life. And, you know, we don't have that anymore. So that's positive, but we got to strengthen those things. We got to keep it there as a backdrop uh, for those who, you know, have given so much to our country and also to the younger Americans, you know, and that's why we have like Medicaid for those, you know, who don't make $18,000 a year. So them and their families, you know, can have some level of healthcare uh, it's not going to be great, but at least they, they have access to healthcare uh, through Medicaid. And so I try to teach them those things, but also try to uh, let them know it's about the work. It's not about, and it is few and far between those glamorous events. It's more like, dad, do we really have to go to this event? And I'm like, yes, Maggie, because state representative Tina Davis, you know, our state representative, like she needs us to show up and, and give $25 Right. to her event and it's a beef and beer but she's <laughs> running for re-election and and she's our state representative and we right. believe in her values she sh shares our values and let's go support her you know we, we're not millionaires but our 25 dollars or 50 dollars are, are going to go a long way and you're gonna get a roast beef sandwich out of it and and i'm gonna let you drink a soda there so like, <laughs> gonna, you'll take the I, beer I, she'll have the yeah. roast beef and the soda Right, right. But like, you know, that's what you got to teach them. I'm like, this is democracy. And yeah. if you care about it, you're willing to fight for it. And it's, it's just like things like, you know, I, I believe in equality, you know, I'm straight and, and have kids. But, you know, to me, when I was in Congress, I, I fought to repeal uh, a policy that was called Don't Ask, Don't Tell, where yes. we keep out 13,000 folks just because they were they were gay and, and a military, not for misconduct. I mean, again, if you're gay or straight and commit misconduct, yes, we should throw you out. But sure. just because of who they loved and and I wrote the bill. I authored the bill that was the repeal of the Nash Hotel. And to me, it was simple. Like, you know, again, I taught constitutional law at West Point. I took it at Widener Commonwealth School of Law in Harrisburg. I, I believe in the Constitution. I carry it around in my pocket. I like, and again, I don't pick and choose what amendments to the Constitution I believe in. I believe in the whole Constitution. Right, right. Um, and so, which by the way, as a Democrat, includes the Second Amendment. I own a gun. Like, you know, sure. I, I believe in it. But uh, I would say to you, like, in that constitution, we have certain fundamental core beliefs, things like separation of powers of the legislative executive judicial branch, things like the rule of law, mm -hmm. of liberty and freedom, of equality under the you know equal protection clause. So again, when you when we, we have equality as a fundamental belief of our and and right given to us in our constitution, you either believe in equality or you don't, you're either willing to fight for it or you're not. Right. And so for far too long, for too many decades. When we kicked out 13,000 troops because they were gay, because we spent $1.2 billion to recruit and train them to be fighter pilots or infantry officers or Arabic speakers. And then we train them and throw them out because they have a boyfriend or girlfriend back at home. 
that was wrong. And I was willing to fight for it. And, and I, I got it. Some people disagreed, but it was the right thing to do. And, and it helped our military become stronger as a unit, as a team, that, that diversity that looks and feels like the America that we so proudly represent. Totally agree with you. Your children are lucky. They're lucky to have you teaching them those lessons and bringing you to those places. Our country is lucky for having you. Um, I want to end with our speed round. It's five quick questions. Very top thing that comes to mind. So not a lot of thought in this. Um, We do this with each guest, same five questions. So first one, top song, group, or artist on your playlist right now or something that you listen to every day? Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA. Love uh, it. Now that coming back. Love so. it. All right. Dog or cat? Dog. Uh, Rocky at Millie, uh, a chocolate and a yellow lab. Love it. All right. Best thing that happened to you in the last 30 days? Uh, my daughter hit nine of 10 foul shots in a row. Oh, okay. Excellent. Favorite beverage? Uh, I'm a Miller Lite kind of guy. Uh, uh, you know, so... There you go. All right. And best piece of advice for Central Penn College students? Set goals. Set goals for this year. Set goals. Where do you want to see yourself in five or 10 years? Uh, Who are your role models? How did they get to where they are at that age? And what were they doing at your age to get there? And believe in yourself and work hard at it every single day. Patrick J. Murphy, thank you. This has been an honor. Thank you for your service to our country and everything you're doing to make it better for the next um, veterans coming in, for our students, for our children. We appreciate you and we're really thrilled that you were part of the bridge. Well, Madam President, thanks for your leadership at Central Penn. And if, if I could ever be helpful to you, your, your team there, your students, uh, or the listeners out there, please don't hesitate to let me know. And again, people could find me at, on social media at Patrick Murphy PA uh, or my website, patrickjmurphy.com. So thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Thanks. Today's episode of The Bridge is brought to you by Central Penn College. Central Penn College offers career-focused programs that enable our students to transform their lives by landing jobs in their chosen profession. To learn more about investing in your career with Central Penn, visit us at www.centralpenn.com. EDU. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bridge, hosted by Central Penn College President Linda Fadrizi Williams. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a great rating on your favorite podcast service. The Bridge is available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes of The Bridge, stories of resilience, courage, and innovation with Dr. Linda Fadrizi Williams. We'll see you next time.